Hello, we are the Academica Vertex and welcome to episode six. My name is Warren Bunsell and I will be your host today and with me today to talk about all things Fantasy Premier League and the preparation for the new season is the Eurasia team. First up is Aditya. How are you doing, Aditya? I'm fine, Varun. Thanks. Now with World Cup finally over, most of the FPL managers have now switched their attention towards the Premier League, especially Fantasy Premier League, along with some pre-season research work and analysis has been done by most of the managers. So yeah, the last few weeks, uh, you know, we're building up towards the league. So it's going to be an interesting time now. Yes, exciting new weeks ahead. And today we have a new member in uh, terms of FPL finesse. Hi, Mel. How are you doing? Hi, I'm not bad. Yourself? I'm very well as well. Uh, so, how are you feeling joining this team? I'm looking forward to actually. It's going to be an exciting time working with you guys and discussing all these podcasts, etc. Yeah, really good. Yes, yes. We are very glad to have you as well. Now that we are done with introduction, let's talk about what's on the agenda today. First up, we will talk about the importance of preseason in forming our fantasy Premier League teams. And while we are there, we will answer the question posed by the American team as last week. The second segment is a bit of a special one, where we will have our first ever guest on this podcast, none other than James Eggersdorf, answer a few questions sent in by the community. Finally, in the last segment, we will talk about the importance of a strong bench and what are the implications of a weak bench on one season. So let's get straight into the action. The question that was asked of us, was how much and what can we read into the preseason? In the following section, we seek to answer this question. So first of all, gentlemen, what, according to you, is the most important takeaway from any team's preseason performance? Finesse, I'll throw it up to you. What do you think? Right, for me, um, I think players' fitness and positions on the pitch and the manager formations are probably the most important. Um, a lot of the youth get minutes in pre-season, um, players coming back from injury, so you can use it to see these new prospects, but don't expect them to get many minutes in the actual league when it starts. Um, I don't tend to read a massive amount into pre-season, as it sort of stung me before when I captained Batshuayi in game week one last season, and then he blanked after a pretty good pre-season. So yeah, don't take it as gospel, but do pay attention to what they're doing. Yeah, that was a pretty brief qualifier, I may say so myself. But, uh, you know, I think uh, for us to take away uh, this preseason, it's probably a bit better in terms of that because of a lot of players that are going to come late and probably not going to start in the first team as the season starts. So it means that some of these players might actually have a chance to play. Do you think uh, that would be the case, Aditya? Yes. Now, since uh, if we can take the example of Manchester United, uh, 12 players, 12 senior members aren't playing in the preseason. So, you know, Jose Mourinho is, you know, uh, you know, giving us a hint of his, you know, back four today. Uh, so, basically, preseason just helps us knowing the, you know, formations, the new tactics and all the managers, you know, try uh, different formations. You know, player fitness is, you know, the most important part. So, that's the most thing we can judge from the preseason. Yeah, I think the first couple of games are more based on fitness building and uh, then uh, gradually it's more about trying to uh, have the quality and trying to uh, make sure which players are going to play when the season eventually starts. Well, talking uh, about the, the managers choosing different formations, there are a lot of new managers at home at different clubs like Maurizio Sarri at Chelsea, Unai Emery at Arsenal, Marco Silva at Everton and Manuel Pellegrini at West Ham United. Three new teams also graced the Premier League about whom we have very little knowledge. In such a situation, what are the things consider while buying players that play for these clubs. Aditya, thoughts on these? Again, uh, what we can say is in the preseason we can generally know these new managers, which players they tend to prefer playing, you know, more sort of more number of minutes and all. So, th that would be one ideal, you know, uh, stuff that we can have a look at. For example, Arsenal, uh, Aubameyang, Lacazette and Mkhitaryan, we could have a look at them, you know, how they perform in the remaining preseason matches, how Unai Emery is, you know, uh, uh, making them play. I suppose they have played four at the back in their last match. So, I mean, this, just the initial round of preseason games have begun. So, we need to have a look at Arsenal and Chelsea. Uh, Sari has joined now as their new head coach. Now, another problem would be that Alonso could be switched to play 
as a left back more than a left wing back so we'll have to see if that does happen then we'll have to maybe evaluate our options seeing who would you know be more uh, viable yeah golonso is a really interesting one because uh, i love marcus golonso he used to get a lot of points for me uh, captain choice once in a while but if sari does uh, change the system it would be very difficult and uh, finesse what do you do in such a situation Okay, so Marco Silva at Everton, very attacking boss. We just need to see who he plays, where he plays, what sort of positions he he sorts the players out in. Same with the other teams. We don't know if Kalasanac is going to play for Emery this year. Uh, Monreal tend to take most of the the play off of Kalasanac last season. So now Wenger's gone. Does Kalasanac come back into the team? Um, don't I just don't know what's going to go on. It's it's very difficult to. Even with pre-season, things can change from pre-season to the Premier League. So you, you can't take it as gospel. You've just got to have a look at it and you've got to sort of make your mind up because at the end of the day, you're not in their head. Nobody knows what Pep's going to do. You know, he plays Pep roulette every week. You never know who's going to play. So, yeah, just you need to have a look at it and make your own mind up, basically. Yeah, we're just looking for answers at the end of the day. Key. What does uh, the pre-season games offer us? I think... Except for formations, there's very little we can take away from these games. A lot of the youngsters come into the play. Sometimes teams aren't that good quality that play against. And uh, it's very difficult to take stuff away. And with the new managers, I think the formation is probably the only thing that we're going to take away. And talking about the lower quality teams, Everton winning 22-0 in their preseason game. Cardiff winning 11-1 the other day. So... It's very difficult to read into the results in such games. So, first of all, finesse. So, uh, do you think as the preseason goes on, we get a little bit more of an idea as to the starting eleven? For some teams, yes. Um, I wouldn't read into it about Everton and stuff like that with their twenty-two-one. Um, I forget these results. They're going to play no part in FPL or reality at all. Uh, that that's all dependent on the skill level of the opponent, and uh, I think they were playing the under threes, so that's going to be no good at all. Um, <laughs> if we go, under threes, <laughs> if we go for what's coming up, though, there's some good fixtures coming up. We've got City playing Dortmund, Liverpool, Munich, and Liverpool playing the same teams because they're in the same competition. Arsenal and Chelsea are playing each other, plus they're playing Atletico Madrid and PSG. Spurs face Roma, Barcelona, AC Milan. So from these top teams, that some of them are playing good teams. But again, they might not be putting their full strength team out. So Arsenal might beat Atletico Madrid 5-0. But Griezmann's not going to be playing. Half the players probably not going to be playing. Um, basically, it's going to be Arsenal youth team versus Atletico Madrid youth team. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, that's pretty fair, but Uh, especially this season i think uh, the a uh, lot of teams uh, have uh, degraded squads for the preseason and they'll probably have that squad for the start of the season so it's more of an idea as to which players might uh, get through to the first 11 on the first day of the season and if they play very well they could uh, easily uh, give the manager a headache and may keep on playing for a number of weeks and uh, secondly with all these uh, bigger score lines i don't think they're completely uh, worthless either because if you look at the everton win of 22-0 at least that gives us an idea as to when the goals or if the goals come where it would eventually come from like cheng tosun scored four goals and uh, a lot of goals uh, and bain scored a goal as well so that's something that we can uh, get from these games and maybe something uh, we just clutching straws straws here but something is better than nothing isn't it aditya yes something is definitely better than nothing but i i've been noticing everybody is just talking about everton's 22 nil game but their next preseason match they drew one all so everybody isn't talking about that and in that match umar nia scored despite he had come on from the bench So he scored a goal. So nobody isn't talking about that. All it's all just headlines is what matters to people. But uh, if if we want to talk about Everton, then uh, Kevin Miralles partnered up with Saint Tosun. This is kind of a little bit different. Uh, 
we we did knew that Ronald Koeman and uh, you know Sam Allardyce they didn't prefer Umar Nias for the most part of the season. Uh, it's it's looking like this trend might go on with even Marco Silva, but he is preferring Kevin Miralles with Sengtosun. That could be a different option, but it's very difficult to say whether they can replicate this performance in the Premier League considering their standards and all. So, just in a short, we can only say that preseason is only fitness, tactics, implementation. And how sharp the players are. I mean, we could have a look like how good they are in front of the goal, you know, shots and all. That's that's only the fair estimate we can do. And more than that, it's it's not it's very difficult to judge. Like as you said, Kevin Morales was played alongside Chen Tosun, and that's a very interesting one because Morales on his day can offer tremendous value as well. So if Marco Silva does prefer Kevin Morales, then we can get a differential right there. And uh, the only thing I'm concerned about is K. Walcott hasn't had uh, much game time till now. Is he injured or something? I don't know. But uh, if we, we were talking about him as a 6.5 million cheap uh, way into the Everton attack, but we want our players to have some kind of pre-season training. So they go into the season with some kind of fitness and preparation. So is Walcott still an option, Finesse? Not at the moment. So I've had him in my first draft since the beginning because he's 6.5 million, and I think he's got potential. But where is he? I haven't seen him in the in any of the pre-season matches yet. So I'm apprehensive now. Unless I see him get minutes on the pitch, he's getting transferred out, and then somebody else is going to come in for 6.5 million, maybe Sesenyon or something like that. Yota, maybe. Yeah, that's the worry, is if they don't play, how, how can we get them in the team? And... Uh, I think we can get more out of the games for the lower teams, such as Wolves game against Ajax, where Diego Yota played as a forward, and Ruben Neves was on penalties as well. So these kind of stuffs are pretty important when it comes to choosing our players. A five million players on penalties and free kicks, that seems to be a pretty uh, tempting offer. Don't you think, Aditya? Yes, uh, even I guess Fabinho, he was AS Monaco's, I think, first choice penalty taker. So, he could, you know, compete with Salah in Liverpool, you know, for the spot kicks and all. So, that could get, you know, the chances of points of Salah going down in terms of set-piece penalties if, if Klopp wants to, you know, switch to Fabinho. So, that could be another impact for a 13 million player who isn't taking set-piece uh, you know, the value will definitely, you know, the points per million and the value, you know, that, that will have an impact. And one more thing is, Colin uh, Corner of Huddersfield, he played two of his last friendlies as an attacking midfielder. You know, a 4.5 million forward who is playing a preseason games and who has, you know, who does start could be, you know, some, you can say a bench, you know, fodder, a player playing regularly could be another option for us. Yeah, I think the 4.5 million players uh, offer often offer the real value. I remember Ruben Loftus-Cheek as a starter last season. He was really really unlucky. Uh, otherwise, he would have offered a lot of points. He hit the post against Man City and came close to scoring in a number of games. But uh, if we uh, find someone uh, of that value, then he, he will soon become a must-have. And uh, see, as we go on, we did find a lot of important stuff to talk about from the preseason. It's not as if it's offering nothing. And uh, we can get a fair idea uh, watching preseason games. So, uh, answering the question of the Americans, I think it's really important to follow the preseason. And uh, it will offer some, some insight. Maybe not a lot, but uh, as I said before, anything is better than nothing. Wouldn't you agree, Mel? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Basically, pre-season to me is, you know, good for checking the fitness, assessing transfers and the three new teams that come up because we don't really know a lot about them. Um, you get a rough estimate of player positions and uh, the manager's formations for the upcoming season. Uh, the World Cup shakes things up too, with many of the big names missing from pre-season due to reaching the later stages of the competition. So you can't really take much from the results of the 22-0 and stuff like that, but you get a rough idea, so... Yeah, I'd summarise, I probably wouldn't take pre-season as gospel, but much will change when the league starts, but you get a rough idea of what's going on. Summarise very well here by Mel, and uh, I would agree with most of his uh, analysis here. 
And uh, before concluding our first segment, I just like to say, get Luke Shaw into your team, gentlemen. And <laughs> with that, we finished our first segment of this podcast. Next, we go to the Q and A session I had with James Eggersdorf. How he answered uh, the question sent in by the community is something that you would like to listen to. So let's go to the Q and A. Welcome to part two of this podcast, in which we are honored to welcome our first ever guest. He needs no introduction. It's Palsberg, the FPL managers, probably the best in the world, James Eggersdorf. How are you doing today, James? I'm really well, thank you, Varun. How are you? I'm very well as well. So uh, let's talk about uh, what James is up to these days. He has his own Patreon page right now, FPL Masterclass. Can you tell us a bit about that, James? Sure, yeah. It's come about. I've been really uh, impressed over the last couple of years. I've, I've really got involved in the FPL community. And there's a hell of a lot of really good content out there. Lots of people providing advice and uh, different podcasts and websites and uh, all sorts of different things. But there isn't, I didn't feel something that's really helping managers to learn how to become better from the strategy or the tactical side of Fantasy Premier League. So I was really keen to pass on my skills and my wisdom. But what I don't want to do is just give people all the answers because that's not really much fun. Fantasy football is all about you being the manager and you being in control, and you getting enjoyment from the game by getting the decisions right yourself. Yeah, that's very interesting. I'm sure the people that will get on that will not be disappointed. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Moving on, let's jump straight into the questions. We've got a few questions from the community here today. Right. Our first question comes from at the rate FPL underscore ref. He asks, what's your goalkeeper strategy this year? Two 4.5 million keeper rotation or a set and forget keeper like David De Gea? Mm. I, I always like the idea of a cheaper goalkeeper at the start and I have been known in, in the past there was one year probably uh, eight or nine seasons ago when Middlesbrough had two goalkeepers that were both four million each so you were able to go super super budget. So, so what do you think you'll be doing this year? Um... I think it depends maybe if, if Courtois leaves Chelsea and they sign Kasper Schmeichel or it wouldn't be on the realms of possibility. Maybe they get Pickford, for example, if they got a Premier League goalie, that, that would be a set and forget. But I think I'd, I'd be looking at a 4.5 this time round. Yeah, there isn't a 4 million goalkeeper available like there was Rob Elliott uh, last year as well. If you look at Bournemouth and you get Boric for... Uh, sorry, Begovic for 4.5. You can also have Boric for 4 million. So it means that, yes, you're stuck with the Bournemouth goalkeepers, but it, you know, you've always got a goalkeeper. If Begovic gets injured, Boric will come in and that saves half a million. That's an interesting strategy. I, I don't really go that way, but it's something to think about. It's an option, uh, certainly. I don't know whether it's one I'll go for, but it, it might that you know if you need the extra cash then it might it might be an idea yeah yeah okay so to the next question uh with the fpl community and the data and analysis produced fpl shark and vice underscore cricket wants to know how much of that you take on board and how best to filter out that information good question so i think you need to use all the information as a tool but not use it as your primary yeah. source of data. I think you need to remember that um, a lot of that information is is hearsay and, and opinion. So it's not actually fact. It's just you know people saying what they think. I think if you are going to go and do more research and look at more analysis, my recommendation would be to actually read a broadsheet newspaper. So in, in Britain, we have things like uh, the Telegraph or the Times or the Guardian and read the reviews, you know, match reports and, and get the journalist reviews on how certain players are playing. I think that can be quite valuable as well. Hmm. So, so what do you do uh, if, with all the information that's out there? I read it, but I don't take it as, you know, it's nice Hello? to hear people's opinions, but it's important to make your own opinion. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's your team and you have to decide which players to put in. Exactly. Yeah. 
So moving on to the next question, FPL underscore blonde is interested to know what we can and cannot infer from the preseason matches in light of the results, including Bury nil, Liverpool nil, and Everton's 22 nil victory. <laughs> um, I, I don't think we can read too much into that, unfortunately. I think in preseason, it's often about fitness and it can be about maybe giving youth players a taste of first team you know, experience. So I don't think you should read too much in, into that. Yeah, and uh, what about the formations and the style of which the teams would like to play in the league? Um, do you mean in terms of what are the best formations for this season? No, I mean, uh, in pre-season, often we can get an idea of how the teams okay. are going to set up. Yeah, uh, good good point. Maybe, maybe a little bit, um, but I still think it's quite tricky because what you tend to find is that the, the star players, if they're tired or they maybe need a small operation or they just need to take some time out, sometimes they don't always have a, a you know, they're not always involved in the whole of pre-season. So maybe a team might change their system as a result of not having certain key men in, in the team. I think you could probably read into the system or the formation bit a little more than the actual personnel, so the actual lineup. Especially this year with the World Cup coming in, so a lot of players yeah, won't be there. Exactly. exactly. Okay. Moving on, uh, Martin PWI asks... Are the four-five-one and the five-four-one viable formations with the lack of good cheap forwards this year? Okay, good. That's a good question, Martin. So, I think what you have to remember is that there will be some good cheap forwards amongst that list. What we don't know really at the minute is exactly who they are. So, if you think about last season, Glenn Murray, nobody had Glenn Murray in pre-season, really. Ashley Barnes, uh, Perez from Newcastle, they all came through, you know, as the season as the season progressed. So there will be cheap forwards. Uh, it's a case of trying to find them. And I'd, I'd probably advise against five defenders. And that's just because defenders, of course, can lose points for conceding goals. Um, and I think ideally, if, if you can, it's best to have five midfielders because, of course, they have the, the most or the optimum number of ways of actually gaining points for you. Yeah, most, most of the value does come in midfield at the That's end of the right. day. Okay, moving on. Uh, Dan Elman asks, what are the common mistakes and pitfalls we should try to avoid and what tips do you have to improve your performance? I think uh, three things that, managers need to think about is, is taking too many points hits. I think that's a real rookie mistake that, that people make. I think another one is if you make transfers too early. So personally, I, I always try and wait until the last second to make a transfer and it, it doesn't really concern me if I lose. You know, a player might go up in value by point one or point two during that week. I actually think that that investment so by missing out on those price rises I'm, I'm actually investing in having more information so having more facts because it means i'm allowed to listen to all the uh, press conferences and get all the team news and and all that sort of stuff i think that's a really good tip to, to improve and i think another thing i read often on social media and twitter that People will write things like, oh, I've, I've just made a rage transfer because I'm so angry about a certain player's performance in my team. And you really <laughs> need to take out uh, the emotion and, and um, don't make decisions when you're angry. Make, you know, make decisions when you're in a rational frame of mind and you can actually think logically about what you're trying to do. Yeah, I think most of us can relate with these mm. things that we keep on doing during the season. Hopefully, we will come off it. Uh, the next question is from FPL underscore JJ. And it's a question many of us, including myself, wants to hear the answer of. Okay. Thoughts on attacking fullbacks for the season, such as Mendy, uh, Robertson, Coleman, PVA, and even Douglas from uh, Wolves. Uh, are they in, worth investing in? I, I absolutely love a, attacking fullbacks. Um, 
maybe because I, in a long, long time ago, when I was a lot younger, that was the position I used to play at football. Um, but I think that, yeah, they, you know, those guys, if they hit good form, um, we saw Alonso last year was, you know, getting loads of points for plenty of attacking play, and Robertson as well at Liverpool comes into that category. So for sure, I think the guys that you've mentioned there could could be real stars this season. Yeah, yeah, I love Alonso. He was a very good player mm, for me for yeah. the past two seasons. Mm. Yeah, hopefully some of them, one of this these guys could prove to be the new Marcus Alonso. Yeah, of course. What you need to do with that, and in reference to your previous question, if it's very important that to get that attacking um, fullback, you really need a team that are playing with three central defenders. So I don't know whether this new Chelsea manager, I don't know very much about him, whether he prefers to play with two, which of course would limit Alonso's attacking play. Uh, likewise at Arsenal, if their new manager, if he likes to play three centre-halves, that might mean Bellerin and Kolasinac are suddenly, you know, the new Marcus Alonso potentially. That's what all FPL managers want to find. You know, who's going to be the new star goal-scoring defender? Yeah, yeah, that's that's very fair. Moving on, FPL Cadet and FPL Audit ask the big question, <laughs> is Salah worth the 13 million price tag? What do you guys think? I currently have him in my <laughs> team. And I think the most big, the biggest reason I have is the ownership. I just cannot let a 50% owned player take the season away from me at the start yeah, of the season. I, I agree. I, I think um, this guy is uh, the best player from last season. I think he's the highest scoring ever player on Fantasy yep. Premier League in, in all the years that it's been run. So, uh, you know, you're going to, like you say, you'll get left behind if you don't have him. And if you do have him and he doesn't do very well, then you've got all that money to go and pick whoever else. You know, you've got the pick of the book. Yeah, easy to downgrade. Yeah, yeah. so I'd probably think that you probably need to have this guy at the beginning. Yeah, that's fair enough. A uh, couple of questions left. Joe Prenter 67 wants to know, what is your stance on the newly promoted teams? Too risky to invest in or worth gambling on the unknown? I, I absolutely love newly promoted teams. Uh, not just this time round, I mean every season, and it's because year after year after year at FPL, there is always some real bargains in there uh, to have. So, you know, off the top of my head, I can remember Andrew and Carroll when he came up with Newcastle, Charlie Adam when he came up with Blackpool, uh, like you say, Pascal Gross last year, uh, Huddersfield had the goalie uh, Losel. Um, and Huddersfield weren't great at defence, but he made a lot of saves and you know got some points. So I think there is risk because it's likely that these teams aren't going to be very good, but there is definitely value. So I think putting in a couple of these players into your squad of 15 is, is probably not a bad idea. Yeah, two, three players in a team. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so moving on to the last question, FPL Addict123 wants to know if the early phase of FPL will be more challenging with the World Cup just gone by, how in, how do you intend to adapt to early choices as a result? Hmm, that's another another tricky question. I, I think what we probably need to do here is, is wait until the last uh, few days for all the team news and the press conferences because... Some players are going to need longer to recover from the World Cup. I saw um, Harry Kane came out the other day and he said that he's only going to take holiday for two weeks because he wants to be ready to start the new season. Uh, other players may need longer to rest or likewise, Harry Kane may say that he wants to take two weeks, but the club doctor might say, no, 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 you need a month because you're tired or you're fatigued or, or whatever that might be. So I think managers need to, if they're putting their draft or their um, template, sorry, or, uh, you know, um, practicing looking at their teams at the moment, they need to be ready to make a whole lot of changes maybe in that last week if the team news says that certain players aren't going to be available. Yeah, and also those players that are getting the chances in the preseason as a result of those players not coming out, they could 
play really well and make themselves uh, be good candidate to start the season and to be the first choice over the com- coming yeah, weeks. Yeah, it, it could be, and you never know that that could happen. Yeah, sure. So that's the end of the Q and A, and thanks again for joining us, James. No worries. It's been great to have you as our first. Yeah, well, guest. it's been an, an absolute pleasure, and um, thank you for having me. And very best of luck, everybody, for the new season. And there were some quality questions there, and as expected, some quality answers as well. Moving on, now we will talk about the importance of having a good bench at the start of the season. Many a people often spend a lot of money on their first team, put all their eggs in that basket, and have a residual bench. And in that case, there seems to be a lot of problems that arise. But what proportion of funds would you personally spend on your bench at the start of the season? Starting with you, Aditya. This is a very very tricky question. I actually, you know, tried to make my spot today finally after the auto pick stuff and all, and I was just totally stuck. Uh, I actually put Salah, I put in Aguero, Eriksen, and I just lost the total funds here and there. So it it depends again on what what kind of formation you want to go ahead. So ideally, I suppose you know, since we have uh, a few more options in the forward category, so. people would mostly switch to 3 4 3 so that that could be one or 3 5 2 could be another one in case if you're spending a little bit more on your midfield so again the ideal option for me in the goalkeeper zone would be spending around 9 8.5 to 9 would be the best so a 4.5 million goalkeeper goes straight in your bench then if you play a three man defense that depends if you have a defender of 5 5 and 5.5 so you will have a spare two defenders who need to be selected so that's around again 4.5 and 4 so again so th- those people will again go in the bench then again in the midfield uh if you're playing 3 5 then your fifth midfielder could be somewhere around the 5 to 6 and then your forward we're going with two forwards your third forward could be around uh, again 6 to 7 somewhere so so it all you know depends on the formation how you want to go and uh, it's it's always good having you know a decent bench instead of having auto sub zero points even a single point could make a difference in your league standing so it's it's decent to have a, you know a bench of players who play not that regular in the sense a 15 20 minute cameo and assist Suppose if a player gets four points, is better than zero. So it's better having a bench, you know, of players playing. Yeah, I think most of the players, uh, at least, uh, feature if not from the starting eleven, then from the bench. But for me personally, I would have fifteen playing players at the start of the season because you don't know the starting eleven that the managers would choose. You don't know which players they favor. So if it comes to it, I want something from my bench that can get me. at least 2 to 3 points if not more so and i don't think that's a bad investment as well and it gives you flexibility in formation week on week you can change one week you get 352 next week can, you can go 442 and who knows next week you can go 451 as well so that flexibility that's really important for me and finesse what about you yeah I'm, how I'm, much do you spend on your bench i'm completely the opposite I like to spend as little as possible on my bench. So I'll go I like to get a goalkeeper that I can just put in the team and leave him there for the whole season. So Allison's just joined Liverpool at 5.5 million. So he's probably going to be there sat there with Spironi on 4 million on the bench who I'm never going to use because Allison's yeah. probably going to play 38 games anyway. Um yeah. I'll probably for the defense 4.5 million options. Tom Kins, Cedric, stuff like that. get them in they play all the games but they're 4.5 million so if one of your main players premium players doesn't play they're going to come on the pitch and at least get you two points or one point if they get a yellow card or something um midfield again someone like stevens with a 4.5 million for brighton played most of the games last season got a few assists as well so for me the importance is get as much money as you can into your starting 11 and at least make sure you've got starters on the bench apart from the goalkeeper and you know you're going to wild card in four or five weeks time into the season so i'd probably make sure i had the most amount of money maximum amount of money as i can into my starters 
and minimise my bench. So a four goalkeeper, you don't need any higher than that if you've got one that's going to play 38 games in a decent team like Allison. Uh, your defenders can both be 4.5. Yeah. Your midfielder can also be 4.5 as long as they play. You know, there are players out there that play every game at 4.5 million. They just don't make more than 80 or 90 points. But really, you're only trying to get cover for one of your players that doesn't play. So I'm worried probably about Mares because I've got him. So if he doesn't play, I'll get two points from Stevens anyway. So Yeah, that's fair. I think for me, if uh, if I talk about each, each position, I think defender 4.5 is really good value for any player. And most of them are first team players for their teams. And I mentioned it in an article recently that uh, uh, a lot of the small teams have their whole back four priced at 4.5 million. If you, uh, if you find someone with uh, a defensive potential, a team with a defensive potential, you can just have a choose from the four of them or the five of them. Uh, Whichever is the most attacking of the players, you can just get them in, like Ward from Burnley. Like he was pretty attacking, and then his price really That's a really good option at 4.5. Uh, in midfield, I would prefer my fifth midfielder to be a 5 million because a, a lot of players that value are on set pieces for teams like Ruben Neves or our really attacking players like Kennedy and for, for 0. 0.5 million. They offer a real good value on the 4.5 million players. And I, I think for strikers as well, I think my minimum I would go would be 5 million unless I get someone that is really doing very well at 4.5, starting every game at 4.5 million. So that's my take on it. Uh, now, saying that uh, you are going to spend a bare minimum on your bench, how big a risk is this going to, into the season, knowing that if any of your starting players don't play, you may not have people to call call upon? Uh, Finesse, do you think the, it is a, a viable strategy uh, if 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 the bench players don't step up uh, to the equation? To me, I'm not expecting my bench players to score big points. I'm just expecting them to come in and cover. Um, I don't really think, you know, Stevens is going to match Mares on points. He scored yeah. 87 points last year. Mares scored 195. So I'm not looking for a replacement for these players. I'm just looking to secure two points if they don't play because there's nothing worse than getting zero points, is there? You know, at least something is better than nothing. Uh, but that said, you should be doing your research and you should be making sure that the 11 that are on your pitch are going to play. Mares should play. He hasn't well. He hasn't done a lot over the summer. Um, he should be, you know, half of Man City's team were at the World Cup, so he should be assured a place. To be honest, um, yeah, I think he should be playing. I, I think they should. They are spending a lot of money on him, like sixty million, and for that amount, I think he will at least start the season in the he's first the eleven. Yeah, he's the club record. So I mean, he's got to start the season, hasn't he? You can't you can't make sixty million quid for somebody and then leave him on the bench. So he's going to start. Aubameyang will start. Whether he plays left wing or centre forward, I don't know. I don't know what Embry's going to do there. Um, maybe these matches coming up will help us out a little bit. Um, yeah, I think I think he's been playing at uh, left wing a lot, and I'm a big Yopier fan. But if Lacazette is playing up front for the whole of the season, I, I will probably consider him at nine five. Yes, because it saves me, you know, some amount of money which can be used elsewhere. So, we, we both, you know, we all of us know how good Lacazette is, you know. At the end of the last season, he and Obama, and, you know, you know, had a good little bit combination and all pairing up. So, if in that case, it does save me some amount of money, it, it's, it's always a wise option, right? To spend the amount somewhere else, you know, and to upgrade certain, you know, non-starting players. So, that, that is eventually what a good manager and a good you know, person who thinks a lot on FPL always will do. Yeah, uh, that's that's very fair. I think uh, I will go for Lacazette if that seems to happen. But I'm a big uh, Aubameyang fan, so let's hope he gets to play at his favorite position. We were talking about the bench, so I think for me uh, personally, I would like to have 15 players that I could count on, so can be more flexible. I can change formations game to game and put in people that have uh, b- better fixtures. So, 
that's that's just me but uh, if uh, there were very different strategies and uh, some might work for some people and uh, some for others but uh, mel said that he does spend uh, very little on his bench which means that it is more likely if you would be forced to wild card early like in week 4 or 5 during the international break so is this something that you consider while planning for a season planning for an early wild card uh, mel so early wild card i was probably aiming for about game week 7 maybe game week 8 um i try and hold out as long as i can but this year with the world cup with all the stars missing at the start i need to see them come back and see them in form before i can get them in i was hoping this season to probably wild card game week 4 i was just planning for four or five game weeks just to see who was playing see when the world cup guys are coming back and then probably get them in and then i'm just going to have to put up with my team from then on out but yeah it's going to be it's going to be difficult to go what 14 15 game weeks until the next wild card and yeah, i don't really that would be really difficult but i think for for me personally uh, i don't strategically plan for an early wild card i i, I consider wild card uh, something like if it doesn't go well then then it's always there but if you think uh, if you plan for like four or five weeks then then you almost do it every time but if you think i'll go long term if it doesn't pay off then you can wild card but if it does then it then it sets you up for the long term uh, it's 10 weeks it's not a bad for uh, a game week one team to last and i think uh, a lot of us really forget a lot of the times that we have free transfers as well if we uh, we are talking about uh, like game week 10 uh, we get 10 free transfers till then so that's almost the whole starting 11 you get changed by the free transfers so there is small small things that you need to change you can do that pretty easily without using the wild card as well and no of course i totally agree um i'm not planning planning to use the wild card it it's in my head because of the world cup but if i don't have to use it so if i get to game week 4 and my team is still scoring 55 60 points a week and they're still doing really well um yeah and if there isn't a massive group of players completely outperforming my team then i won't have to use it because if it's just one person say nevers is getting a lot of goals and i've got yota well yeah. i could just use my free transfer for that but if it's a huge amount of players outscoring my team then I'm going to have to wild card to get them in because otherwise everyone's going to be jumping on the bandwagons and I'm going to get left behind so it swings and roundabouts it's in my mind but if I don't need to use it I won't I'm not just going to pull the trigger on a whim you know and I think uh, with a lot of players coming back from the world cup so if the few players started pl- playing well at the first two three uh, game weeks and uh, it won't be easy for managers to replace them so if you choose uh, like many people say that uh, they would get replaced immediately when uh, these players come back into the side but it's not that easy if they're getting the results if they're getting the points they may keep on playing a few weeks as more so uh, it's it's not really uh, that that unrealistic to assume that so wild card is essentially a plan b if it doesn't work out we can change it up but like uh, there's always uh, something i heard on twitter if you have seven to eight players that you don't want in your team then only you should wild card because uh, four five players you can just put them on the bench and uh, one by one replace them and if it's one two then you can replace them immediately so seven to eight is a good enough number for you to consider a wild card aditya so thoughts on this please yes uh if if you have a look at last season in respect to my team i wild carded around game week i guess 18 uh, i i used up the transfers free transfers in between and you know i kind of pushed the squad till the end because i wanted to have a fair idea since it was also the winter transfer window opening up and you know the fa cup fixture scheduling you know so you know i just decided to wild card at that moment so it, it all depends how you build your squad initially and now since the world cup is also you know a little bit of confusion for the managers uh, if uh, the replacement or the option b players if they do pick up form in the initial form of the season the start of the season 
then it, it it won't be easy for managers to replace. For example, I guess Hyun Min Song won't be there, so I guess Eric Lamela or Lucas Moura could play. And if 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 they do catch up the pace, and you know keep their form, then it it won't be easy for Pochettino right to get Piz two out for Son. So you know, again, it's it's very difficult as I said. But in in terms of wild card, as as you said rightly, Varun, if almost fifty percent of your squad isn't giving you the you know the amount of return expected, then that's the only right time to wild card. Until then, you know, use up your transfers wisely. Don't take unnecessary hits. And before the you know international you know break and all, I guess save up two two transfers and then you know think about it how you like to change your squad and then utilize them. So as long as possible, try to prevent the wild card unless your team just begins with a faltering run. Yeah, that's a good summary of uh, what we have been discussing. So at the end, I would just like to say, have a bench that you think will at least start, and if some of your players don't step up, then the bench can come in and at least give you two, three points. Because as Mel said, anything is better than zero points, and. Uh, Uh, have a wild card in the back of your mind, but don't force it. Only if you need it, like seven to eight players don't perform, then only go for go for it. But have it in your back of the mind and try to delay it as long as possible while using the free transfers to your benefit. So that's my summary. Uh, Mel, would you like to summarize? I think I've said most of the stuff that I want to say during the pod, actually. But as long as Well, the only time you're going to need to use the wild card from game week one onward, you know, so if you get to game week four and you're not happy, is because you've taken a lot of risks at the start. I tend to do this every season. So I'll go for these players that do really well in the championship, then they come into the Premier League and their teams don't do anything. So, you know, it could be Neves, Sesenyam, Kearney, Yota. I could have those players in my team. And then they could end up doing nothing. Now, if you overload your players with risks instead of taking proven players like Mares, Aguero, Bamyang, Salam, Cedric, and stuff like that, if you if you don't take these players that are proven in the Premier League, you are taking a risk, and you're running the the risk of using your wild card a lot earlier. You know, and that happens to me a lot because I like these risks. I like to I like to find these new players. You know, I want to find the next Salah for six point five million. So I like to, to put these players in. I have a look at their stats and stuff um, from the, the championship and then throw them on my team and, and hope for the best. And if it doesn't work out, you can have to use the wild card and that's just the way the cookie crumbles. But, you know, if it if it does work out, you're the god. If it doesn't work out, you're a loser. But, you know, that's my take on that. Yeah, a good start often sets the pace for the season and you have to take a couple of risks because... If you just go safe all the time, it, it won't be any fun. But you have to take calculated risks and hope it pays off. And Aditya, your final thoughts? Mel said rightly, you know, this, uh, these championship players now have been promoted to the Premier League. Like Diego Yota and all, and all these, you know, teammates. And all. So they do offer us good options considering the performances in the championship previous season. But... You know, it it will be indeed difficult for them to switch to such a high standard. I'm not saying that they aren't good players, but it, it initially does take time for you know a few players to you know, uh, you know grab the pace and you know switch to the game. How Premier League is, you know how, how the game, how fast they are. So you know that, that that's that's as he said. If 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 you have taken the risk of getting these players since they are priced you know quite fairly considering they are you know six point five and all. And it does work, and if it does work, then it's it's good. Otherwise, just the wild card option is right available in front of you. And I just want to see how many managers get in Mesut Ozil. Nobody is talking about uh, talking about him. He had a poor season last season, poor World Cup, and if he you know does fire in the initial few game weeks, I just want to see how it's going to go. It's it's difficult you know for us to predict, but considering how Ozil is. How talented he is! I hope he does. You know, uh, raise up his game. This the problem season. is he's too hot and cold. One minute he's he's really doing well, and then the next three weeks he does nothing. And at that price, you want somebody yeah. that does consistently well. You're expecting five or six points from a midfielder that costs over nine million. I mean, you don't want to be, you know, I'm, that's what I'm expecting from Mares. 
You know, I'm expecting five or six points nearly every every game week. I don't want to get anything less than that, really. You might get the odd two or three, but Ozil, you know, I'm an Arsenal fan and Ozil is so unpredictable that I don't think I've ever had him in my team. Yeah, I mean, you're right about Ozil. Uh, we, we have seen him. He had a lot of back, so-called back injuries, illnesses and all, which, you know, you know, kind of, you know, tainted his season last time. But, uh, you know, as, as you said, his, his price has been dropped to 8.5 from, I think, 9, 9.5 for the last two seasons. That That is actually a little bit high. But, uh, again, as you said, if, if he does picks up his, you know, form and consistency, then that would be a good price considering about uh, his, his set-piece abilities, his corners, free kicks and all how he's involved in. But the the... Another alternate option is just right in front of us, which is Mikitarian. That is what most of the managers will go, considering his price, 1.5 less. So, that would be the ideal option for the managers. But just, you know, it's, it's very disappointing to see such high players. Their form isn't that consistent. And they kind of, you know, crumble here and there. So, the, the, that's why I just spoke about Ozil. It's just one prime example. Another example would be Alexis Sanchez. I'm going to get a lot of criticism for this, but... He did join midway last season in the six months. That wasn't in impressive performances by him. One good exceptional performance by him would be this Manchester City game where United won 3-2. You know, we, we have to applaud him for his performance there. Now, with his break, you know, summer break, no World Cup, for the first time in nine seasons, I suppose I've read it, he could be an alternate for Manchester United. I mean... For the managers to choose 10.5 million, you know, there are a lot of options here and there again, but we'll have to see how the preseason games go. But if you look at Alexi Sanchez, didn't he score over 170 points, even though he hardly played a lot for Arsenal? You know, he was throwing tantrums and stuff like that. Then he went to United and didn't really perform, and he still managed to clock up 170 points. I know you don't want to be paying 170 points for an 11 million rated player, but you know, it's the same with same with Özil. There's far more value in Ramsey and Mkhitaryan at seven million. And if Özil was seven million, I'd have him. But eight point five, I'm not touching him. You know, same with Alexi Sanchez. I'm tempted. I've got him in my first draft, so I'm really tempted to go for it. But then Martial could play up front. It's already been said by Jose that Martial could play up front. And if that's the case, seven seven point five million, I think Martial is, or something along those lines. So. Yeah. I mean, he 7. could be 7.5 for United's forward for probably the first two, maybe three game weeks. Um, yeah, and they've got sort of okay fixtures. So that could be a steal. But Alexis Sanchez could also go absolutely mental. Um, you've seen it. You've seen what he's capable of. You've seen his speed. You've seen his shooting ability. Um, if he's back on form after being rested, I'd be very, very scared of not owning him. But then again, once Lukaku's back, I'd want to get rid of him. Yeah, I think uh, the uh, the thing that we highlighted here was value, because there are other players in the same team that offer better value than them. Like uh, we're talking about Ozil and Ramsey at one million less. With Emery saying that he would like to build a team around him, he offers more value than Ozil, and his performances have been more consistent than him as well. So, if I go for an Arsenal midfielder, first choice would be Ramsey, then Mkhitaryan, then maybe I'd look at Ozil, but same with Manchester United as well. Currently, Martial, and when Lukaku comes on, I think Alexis Sanchez still be the first choice. Uh, but uh, you don't know if Martial starts performing, you don't know who gets out of that team. So a lot of question marks still needs to be answered. And you talked about uh, teams coming up uh, from the championship and players not really settling in. Anthony Knockout comes to mind. He didn't really step up, but some players did uh, exceptionally well as well. We talk about Glenn Murray. Nobody thought of him and he still did really well. Uh, James did, uh, said it in the, in the Q&A. There will be a lot of players then that we are not even talking about right now. And midway through the season, they'll just show up and be great value. I remember Josh King two seasons ago. He just came out of nothing. And I look at it and this season, he might do that again because he's a 6.5 million forward. And Bournemouth's fixtures are decent. And he's on penalties as well. So, there's a lot of players that we're not even considering a lot. And they all come come to the fore sometimes. So, 
Richarlison as well. So there's a lot of options, but just need to find them, and the people that find them quickly will get ahead. And Leroy Sané for Manchester City, and and I mean I can't even name the there's a lot of options at the start of the season. And yes, uh, I I mean even Juan Mata is at six point five. And we don't know he's going to start as a right winger. At six point five is very, very, you know, it's a very low price for a Manchester United player. And we did see his performance in the preseason game against Club America. So uh, again, we we have a lot of options now. The only option suited as a right winger currently, if Man United don't get any player, would be I suppose Jesse Lingard. So if if Mourinho switches up players here and there and if Mata does continue his form which which he usually does for a few game weeks so Mata could be an option at 6.5 a million less than Martial yeah yeah you and Mata is a good good choice as well because he's on uh, set pieces he's on corners he's on free kicks and he is usually involved in in that in an attacking sense but the problem with him is it's very difficult for him to play even 70 minutes Mourinho usually takes him out and puts somebody else in. So, that's a, uh, that's a caveat while, while uh, getting Malta in. But as you said, there, there are a lot of options. So, it's it's very uh, surprising that there is a kind of attempted building in the in the Twitter sphere, even though there are a lot of options. But uh, do, you, do you think that uh, uh, we should just experiment a bit, uh, get out of this template and try out some new players, uh, Mel? Yeah, definitely. Um, there's what over 40 new players just entered the Premier League, isn't there? So, if you ever look, you've got the the main guys that everyone's talking about: Sesenyon, Yota, Neves, etc. Kearney last year, six goals, five assists. He did pretty good. Um, if I look down my charts, there was a guy called Johansson who plays for Fulham. Uh, eight goals, nine assists last season. He did pick up 12 yellow cards, so that's a bit concerning. He might spend half the season. I think he has an ACL or something. I think he's injured for a long term. Oh, is he? Um, yeah, yeah. He, he, he was the main reason for uh, Sweden qualifying for the World Cup, and he got injured in the second match uh, against Italy, and, and he missed the World Cup because of that as well. All oh, right. Well, forget about him then. But you know, looking at his stats, you know, he's, he's got the capability to to come up and do something. All right. So if we look at Cardiff, um, we've got Patterson, ten goals, four assists. Hoylet, nine goals, eleven assists. Rules, who's their penalty taker, seven goals and four assists. Mendes Lang got six goals and five assists, and Murphy got seven goals and three assists. So if you're looking at their team. They've got a lot of goal scorers in there. Um, even their centre-back, Morrison, seven goals last season. So, you know, five million if he scores seven goals again. That's probably on par with Alonso, isn't it? Um, Reed, um, who's actually a midfielder playing as a centre-forward for him, 19 goals last season. I think I'd probably be more inclined to go for him if he was still a midfielder, but he's uh, listed as a forward in the game now. Um, I went through and did their points and stuff in charts. So if you check out my my profile, there should be a chart on there with all these new players anyway. Um, if you go to Wolves, Douglas is the interesting one for me. Yeah. Uh, five goals, 14 assists. He's a defender who plays as a midfielder. For Douglas, I think uh, they play a three at the back formation and he plays in the left wing back position like Mark Slonso. He also takes three kicks, interestingly, and maybe some corners as well. So He's very similar in profile to Marcus Alonso. So that would be a really interesting pick at 5 million. If he gets that those sorts of numbers, that's a really good player to have. Uh, Cavaliero is another one. He plays right wing. Um, Alonso, he scored nine goals and got 12 assists last year as well. So um, whereas most people are going to go for Yota, Cavaliero is still a good pick. Um, I think Cavaliero will have his... Uh, Minutes cut down by Helder Costa. I think they will share minutes, Helder Costa and Cavaliero. So it's a bit of a difficult one. But uh, the forward situation is real, real tricky one because they've they've signed uh, Raul Jimenez from uh, from the uh, Portugal league, and uh, they already have Bonatini. And sometimes Yota plays up front. So it's 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 very difficult to know who would be uh, the starting striker there. But uh, given the, there are so many options, the one who does start will probably offer good value. 
But when you look at their appearances, Yota Nevers and Cavaliero and Bonatini all played 38. Well, they played they played more than 38. I cut it down to 38. So they probably played the full 46. Jimenez and Costa played 36 and 33, respectively. Um, so it looks like they do share game time. Maybe Costa and... Yeah, maybe Costa's coming off the bench. Many would be from the bench as well. Yeah. Um, it, it's difficult. But all throughout you know, the end of last season, Yota was playing on the left, Cavaliero was playing on the right, and Bonatini down the middle. So... Um, I don't know. I don't know if you can just take preseason as oh well, look, Yota will play up front because he has played up front before for Wolves as well. He's played centre forward. Yeah, I think uh, Yota offers really good value because uh, he plays almost every game. He plays on the left wing uh, normally, but sometimes he plays up front. So I think it's it's a, it's a very good shout to have him, especially at six point five million. Yeah, if he was in the Premier League last year, he would have scored one hundred ninety two points, which would have brought his value up to about nine million. So, yeah, as I said, uh, uh, there is a lot of value uh, in the newly promoted teams. And uh, we really went in-depth talking about these uh, the players that are coming up uh, into the Premier League. So, hopefully, we can find someone uh, of real value soon. But that brings us to the end of the episode. And before we go, we would like to send a question of our own to the US pod. We'd like to ask, what do you think of the possibility of an early bench boost? Let's see what they think of that. But thanks everyone for joining. This was Varun and with me was Aditya and Mel. And we'll see you next time.